0: Welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. Hello, everybody. I'm Brett Stewart. Joining me this fine morning, we're recording a little bit differently this time. Nicole Davis, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I am on vacation for the holidays, and I won't have to go back to work until January 2nd, and it's kind of nice to not have much on my plate up until then.
2: Very good. Also on vacation, David Luzader, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm calling in from the Mountain Time Zone. I think this is the first time we've had all three of us in different time zones for recording. Great podcast challenges. Right, we can check that off on the on the bingo card.
0: <laughs> there you go. Very good. Well, we watched a Netflix roulette pick, which is where we spin a wheel and Netflix decides what we watch. Now, the film we got, we decided that in order to make this extra special, uh, think of it as a end of year special because this will come out the first week of well, I guess beginning of year. It'll come out the first week of twenty twenty. Uh, We watched two movies because there was a second film that we could bundle into this that made a lot of sense to watch with it. So we got on Netflix Roulette 2019's Dolomite Is My Name. Eddie Murphy portrays a real life legend, Rudy Ray Moore, a comedy and rap pioneer who proves Naysayer wrong. Who proved Naysayer's wrong when his hilarious obscene kung fu fighting alter ego, Dolomite, became a nineteen seventies black exploitation phenomenon. Now, of course, this is a biopic about the creation of the movie and the character Dolomite, which is why we also watched 1975's Dolomite. After he is released from jail, a pimp takes on criminals and corrupt police officers who framed him in the first place. So we watched both these guys. And first of all, shout out to Nicole, because I wouldn't have even thought to have done this. And I actually think it dramatically improved my understanding of both movies, having seen them. But I think Mm -hmm. the way we're going to approach this right now is we're going to start with talking about Dolomite Is My Name, because that was the Netflix roulette pick. It's a Netflix original film. You can get it on Netflix and then we'll segue into the original Dolomite. So first and foremost, uh, had anyone seen this before or anything like that?
2: I had not. No, I've been wanting to. Dolomite is my name. Had been on my list, um, but I had not watched it yet.
1: Yeah, Dolomite is my name. Has been getting a lot of uh, a lot of critical praise this year, so I was curious to take a look at it. Um, yeah. And it. I had heard of but not seen the original dolomite so
2: gold uh golden globe nominee for best musical or comedy and best actor for eddie murphy so oh wow
0: okay very yeah. cool uh firstly before we get into that rabbit hole nicole what is next week's movie because i forgot to introduce that <laughs> <laughs> it's a future classic we gonna- next week
1: you're gonna just kind of sneak that in at the end instead. I know um, it could have
0: been so smooth, but it's nine in the morning on a Sunday and I just don't have it in me right now. Rudy Ray Moore, uh, you are not.
1: So, uh, it was a tough decision. I have a long list of potential future classics, um, but I finally settled on 2012's The Master. Oh, mm-hmm. which I is a Paul I've Thomas ever. Anderson movie.
2: Yes. I, yes, this is a movie I've been meaning to, or is on my radar as well, but I have not seen.
1: So, Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour oh. Hoffman, Amy Adams. It is an, an actor's showcase.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, the master check that out next week for a future classic pick from Nicole. Uh, but returning to Dolomite is my name. Uh, yeah. So this is a movie where not only Eddie Murphy's getting an incredible amount of praise for it but it really is like the comeback of murphy maybe in a way you know david you put in our docket are we on the brink of an eddie murphy comeback and i think we might be
2: yeah i can't think of a movie that i've seen him in since dream girls is that like the last big movie he did
1: that was the last time they said he was making a comeback
2: (laughs) well yeah and then uh well i mean he probably did like he probably did some more shrek stuff after that and uh That was the last time I really feel like I saw him in anything.
0: Yeah, he kind of went MIA, and he's hosting SNL this weekend. He did it last night. So that would have been December 22nd, 21st. So, I mean, that's kind of cool, but I, I, I don't know, because I feel like Eddie Murphy is one of those comedians that has the chops to be a reasonably good dramatic actor when given the right material. And this movie, at times... Yes, it's funny. There's there's comedy to it. Um, but it's very
2: dramatic as well. And he handles himself really well. I, I will say, I think part of the reason that I like this movie as much as I, I do, Dolomite is my name, that is, is because of the emotion that Eddie Murphy brings to the character. Like, I really identify with his desire to, uh, you know, to be known and to make his own thing and, and not really play by the rules of everyone else. it's It's... His desire for that is just so real. And it's this movie could have been played so much more for just laughs. And uh, I think Eddie Murphy helps elevate it a little bit. And Nicole, in our docket, I think a perfect
0: segue is that, you know, the power of an ego that pushes for prominence but not domination. It's not stepping on others to get ahead, but happy to pull them forward along with it. This was a thought from you. And I thought that was a really eloquent way to describe how he acts in this movie. He doesn't become the stereotypical, um, the fame has risen to his head. I'm going to alienate all my friends character that we tend to see in these movies where a nobody becomes very popular.
1: Yeah, that's what I was, I was really impressed by, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm hoping that this is faithfully based on real life. It seems like it, you know, uh, that, um, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, instead of, you know, as his comedy albums took off and his idea for a movie came forward, you know, he, he brought his friends along and he took on lady Reed as like a, he, you know, he sort of mentored her a little bit and helped her get seen. And, uh, yeah. Taken out on the, the comedy circuit at the time and then put her in the movie. And although, you know, to be fair, a lot of his friends are in the movie because he didn't have to pay them. So. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, but, we've, we've seen that know. before with uh, but, but El Mariachi. Oh, yeah. This right.
0: gave me such Robert Rodriguez vibes in the sense of the <laughs> the ramshackle way you make an independent movie. There's something about movies Absolutely, about making yeah. movies that makes me so happy. It just hits on all the right cylinders for me when well, done right.
2: Hollywood also loves that, which is why you see oh, a lot of yes. movies about Hollywood to get such praise. Uh, of course. In in famous David Luzader tone, it's a little bit masturbatory. <laughs> well, but this movie <laughs> this movie I feel like is not. I think this movie uh does not fall into that because it is so like boot strappy and you know so much about him getting rejected sort of by like the big companies and the you know his style doesn't doesn't fit with the mainstream um and I had some complete other thought about it that I completely forgot now. But there's just something about the... Sc- oh, I really enjoyed that they didn't actually over-dramatize the scrappiness of it. Like when he's like, hey, I'm going to be living here because I can't afford to pay for my apartment and make this movie. They didn't make that some like, oh, what am I going to... I don't have anywhere to live. It's just Yeah, like-
1: you don't seem agonizing over it.
2: Exactly.
0: No, you really don't. So- and-, and also, maybe the reason he's not agonizing over it as a character is because... He doesn't seem to think that many steps ahead. It very much <laughs> is. Uh, we're going to solve the next issue when it comes up. And and shockingly works surprisingly well for him. Uh, but in order to do so, in order to get this movie made, he has to get advances on royalties from his record label um, for, for his comedy albums. And every single time he would go to these guys, I would cringe because that is the the classic way to get screwed by your record label, because obviously they own more and more of you as time goes on, especially if you're not able to repay them and in full and and quickly. Um, And that almost seems like it's going to be the case because when Dolomite does come to fruition, people initially pan it and, and we'll get to maybe why, because we also watched Dolomite and I kind of understand where some of the critics were at um but it was so interesting to watch them make this bootstrappy movie um with UCLA film students and and all that stuff is to my understanding very correct that that is how it actually went down he hired you know film students and did this very very bootstraps
2: i i love that when the students just like show up and how kind of ramshackled everything is and how like unsure they are, but you know, they're like, yeah, why not? Let's go for it. Um, and there's a scene that I really liked with uh, Craig Robinson and Titus Burgess, where they are talking about like, man, why do we have these white kids coming in? Like, what do they know about making a black movie? And Titus Burgess is just like, they're the only ones who know anything about actually making a movie. You know, <laughs> we, we kind of need them. Right. Yeah. I and So the other thing I want to touch
0: on then is uh, when you look at Eddie Murphy throughout this movie, was he de-aged? This is something Nicole threw in our docket. And him and Wesley Snipes are both pushing 60. So I don't know if they look as good as they do in this movie. And I looked it up and I couldn't find anything to the effect of whether or not they were actually de-aged.
1: Yeah, they're uh, something on the order of 58, both of them. One of them's a year older than the other, but I can't remember which one. Um, but yeah, I could not find anything about de-aging. I suspect that, you know, Eddie Murphy's wearing a little makeup to make him look a little bit more like Rudy Ray Moore, Um who looks nothing like Eddie, you know, looked nothing like Eddie Murphy whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it might just be you I- know, the black don't crack thing.
2: I, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to say black don't crack. I think, you know, they they look like guys who are somewhat, you know, uh, middle age or a bit above that somewhere. I would say somewhere in their late 40s pretty easily. Early 50s makes sense to me. So uh, I I think, yeah, probably some makeup to make them look not quite as old as they are. But I think they just look yeah. good.
1: Yeah. yeah on the, the other hand, Snoop's only a year older than I am and he's looking kind of...
2: Well, (laughs) I think I think Snoop's always kind of
1: wise. (laughs)
0: Um, I'm excited to talk about Snoop in a little bit. I do have something to say about him. Um, Yeah, so I think that then segues us into the fact that Nicole, you mentioned that Eddie Murphy still doesn't look a ton like you know Dolomite actually looked. Um, He definitely would have had to pack on probably another fifty pounds in order to pull that off. Um, But. In this movie, no one does an impression, but rather plays an interpretation of the characters we see in Dolomite. David, this was a a docket item from you, and I think Mm -hmm. that's very interesting because after I saw Dolomite and I watched Dolomite second, I did notice that, that they didn't try to just shamelessly mimic everything about Dolomite.
2: Mm -hmm. this was a a point that um i I, because i have another podcast that i really love uh that also talks about this movie and so i listened to it and that's one thing that they pointed out is like nobody here is doing like oh it's you know you're not going to see eddie murphy getting like touted as like oh his rudy ray moore he, he spoke just like him you know how you get like uh when natalie portman was like trying to do her best jackie kennedy and and you know getting the voice as much as she could uh it's just him instead embodying like that, that spirit of him, um, which I think really pays off. Absolutely.
0: I think in particular, because he, he just has this electric performance in this movie, which I do understand why it's getting award buzz, uh, you don't need it to be bogged down by Eddie Murphy trying to sound like a guy that he doesn't either phys- physically look all that much like or vocally sound all that much like. Dolomite's voice is a whole lot deeper. And I really mm. do appreciate that his interpretation here is just totally fresh and different in that regard. And I think it does pay a lot of respect to the original in, in many ways. I, I actually thought for a biopic, this movie was incredibly complimentary of you know Rudy Ray Moore. And uh, to my understanding, it was mostly accurate. From what I was reading in, on fact-checking sites, and I liked that a lot. It just it was it was wholesome in a, in, a, in a weird way for a black exploitation um,
2: making of. I think I think that wholesome is kind of a good word to put on it because, like we mentioned earlier, there was no over overdramatizing of anything. It is there's struggle for sure. The stakes aren't incredibly high, and they don't make them any higher than they need to be. Uh, but just the the whole time, you want everyone to succeed, and it feels good when they do.
0: Now, David, I believe the stakes are your life, so <laughs> I, I think they <laughs> oh, are quite geez. high. Uh, oh, we'll man. get into that. So let's also talk about a couple other discussion topics we have about Dolomite Is My Name. Before we start talking about Dolomite, uh, this movie shows us the inception of uh, the Dolomite character. So Rudy is working at a record shop. He's been there for a, a decade, uh, and that was supposed to be his temporary job before he made, you know, his big break and was able to go be a successful singer, comedian, uh, magic, Guy magician. <laughs> it's early in the morning.
1: Magic guy. You know those magic guys, like you David know Coffin. how it is.
2: Uh, hey, let's go to <laughs> let's go to Vegas and see some magic guys. <laughs> um. So he he had
0: a myriad of different uh, acts. Right. He tried to do so many different things, and nothing was really clicking. And then he goes to these to these homeless guys, and brings a tape recorder, and records their their comedy to one another. And, and I thought it was very interesting because apparently that actually did happen. And it made me start thinking about the artist that gets started by mimicking others material. And I know that nothing is wholly, very few things in this world are wholly original. Um, everything is influenced on something else, but he does very much start in this movie and, and in real life by taking straight lines from what these guys are riffing back and forth and, implementing that into the dolomite act and i thought it was interesting because i think a lot of artists do that and i wanted to get your guys thoughts on it did it feel like it cheapened the start of dolomite to you did it feel less authentic because he was stealing quote unquote this comedy
1: i don't know i thought at first i was a little oh oh that's not original okay but he's not exactly ripping off the you know he calls them hobos he's not exactly ripping off the hobos in his neighborhood because they're all getting it from somewhere else none of it's original to them either it's like Mm -hmm. this oral tradition that's been passed down and passed around through the generations just entertain each other with and he's you know he's he's changing them up as well he's not just telling them verbatim he's changing up the punchlines to try to make it you know what he thinks is funnier and in some cases it is funnier And in some cases to me it's
2: about <laughs> the same
1: but yeah i, I think you know, it's, he, uh, he makes it his own
2: yeah i think it's craig robinson who says that like this is a uh this is something that they would say to each other in prison like they would make up these rhymes or pass along these rhymes because that's all they have to do in prison to entertain themselves is uh you know is tell these stories and these uh crass poems and stuff um it did remind me though like the whole him taking it and changing it there was uh there's I, i hate to talk about other podcasts on our podcast um There's a really good one about stand-up that I can't actually remember the name of right now, so I can't uh, fully plug it, but it talks to people. It plays one bit, so it'll play something you might hear on a comedy record, uh, like a a five, ten-minute clip, and then talks with a comedian, breaking it down. And there's so often where that is kind of – even people who are taking stuff that happened to them in real life, they don't tell the story Exactly as it happened, they go through and like, okay well, what would be funnier? Like there's a really great one where Ray Romano is talking about something that his son did and like uh, he's, he talks about how the word Mazda was funnier <laughs> than uh, than like Hyundai, which was like the real word said in the story, but like Ma- that Z sound of Mazda was funnier which so that's actually like from a comedy perspective, pretty true to life of okay, well, here's this thing that like that's pretty amusing, but how can I make it funny? Right. And and I think
0: Nicole's right in the sense as well that, you know, these are folklore in a way, and especially the the uh, the the signifying monkey, I believe is the is the one that he originally rips from them. And uh, and that's quite old. And it, and it got me thinking a lot about musicians as well, because I think of someone like Bob Dylan, I realize he's my go to, but if you look at someone like him, puts out his first record dressed like Woody Guthrie playing songs about Woody Guthrie, trying the sound and look like Woody Guthrie. And and that allowed him then to grow into something else and to become his own artist. And I think a lot of artists need that in any medium. And I think that that was what that was for Rudy Ray Moore. He needed a kickstart into this character based on these, you know, borderline traditional stories that are, that are the vulgar hobos or riffing off one another. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I, like, I actually ended up liking that a lot. And that also makes me want to talk about hip-hop because Rudy Ray Moore is, is referred to often as the godfather of rap. Um, and he has this beat cadence when he is talking and rhyming that you could totally see Grandmaster Flash listening to and then putting out songs five years later that are in that style. And I shock. I really didn't know a lot about him until I watched these two movies. And as soon as I heard him talking, it totally clicked for me that this is absolutely
2: immensely influential to early hip hop artists. I believe even uh, Snoop has said that Rudy Ray Moore was an influence.
0: Yes. uh, Snoop says that he would not exist without Rudy Ray Moore. And then that's, he is one of many, um, you know, hip hop artists that have claimed that Rudy Ray Moore immensely influenced them and i actually thought that was kind of fun that snoop was in the movie because i can't think of any reason for him to be in the movie other than the fact that they wanted to put in a a, hip, a hip-hop artist with an appreciation of rudy raymore well,
2: i mean why <laughs> why put chris rock is like a, a, a two-minute character in a radio station you know yeah yeah this definitely um
0: had a lot of and they're not cameos necessarily but a lot of uh short spots of people that you're surprised are in the movie and snoop is one of them um but snoop loves rudy raymore and and i just thought it was really really neat to have someone like him inside this movie and he's written liner notes in the past for reissues of rudy raymore records um and i that lineage for hip-hop just totally made so much more sense to me after seeing this and i was surprised i didn't know more about it so this filled that gap for me in many ways and I'm going to go learn more now that I know about him, but I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, I can kind of see it. Although Rudy Ray Moore's uh, rhythm never quite goes where I think it's going to go, mostly because he <laughs> keeps throwing this certain four-syllable word in that starts with an M and ends with an ucker. Um, so, you know, it's, it can tend to throw things off a little bit, but people seem to like it. Um but yeah, I get, my impression is that uh, Snoop knew Rudy Ray Moore. They were at least in some video together back in the 90s. And I guess that that started an, an acquaintanceship, if not a friendship between them.
0: As did Eddie Murphy. In fact, Eddie Murphy tried to get this movie made for the last 15 years. And Rudy Ray Moore wasn't all that into it. Uh, instead, have- he came to him. He said, I want to make a movie. And Rudy Ray Moore was like, how about we just go on tour together
2: instead? <laughs> I have to say I'm pretty glad this movie didn't get made 15 20 years ago because I think it would have been made overly dramatic it would have been made very Oscar baity uh it would have it kind of had us rolling our eyes at like okay well they're making a black exploitation film like I don't think things were this dramatic whereas here it gets to really have I think more the spirit of the actual story itself even if it's you know falling just on a Netflix release, but still getting, I think, a bigger audience than it may have going to theaters and becoming kind of forgotten in 2000.
0: Yeah. Does the element of it being a Netflix release, that's interesting, does that help it broaden its audience in a way? I mean, obviously for availability reasons, but also, um, I'm not sure I would go to the theater to see a movie called Dolomite is My Name. Without really fully understanding what Dolomite was and is, right, and I didn't mm-hmm. until this week. I don't, I don't think a lot of people do. Uh, and well, on Netflix, I don't think though, a lot I, of
1: people of like forty or younger, right, do <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um, but I would watch it on Netflix because it's it's an Eddie Murphy movie, and I'm seeing reviews for it. It just feels like that's the right combination for it as well. To David's point, that this it's better this weighted. Until now, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Agreed.
1: So, I think uh, it. I think it gives it. It lets it be a little more, uh, a little more light on its feet. I want to say, you know, when you're putting out a a biopic in movie theaters, a lot of times there's just sort of this added. Uh, I don't know gravitas or something to it maybe not a lot necessarily like in terms of the disaster artist but the disaster artist was something that I literally did not go see because I'm like why am I going to bother to go see this in a movie theater you know this biopic movie about a guy making this tiny indie movie I really doubt it's going to be visually stunning or you know I need the audio experience of a theater in order to get everything out of it. This is something I can watch just as well at home. So this sort of cuts out the middleman, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Do we know if Netflix threw this in a couple of theaters to try to get a couple
2: Oscars out of it? I mean, probably. I don't know what Golden Globe's um, uh, whole thing is. I don't know if it needs to be in a theater for it to be nominated or not, but I imagine they probably played it somewhere. Yeah, because I could see this getting a nod. Um,
0: I think the screenplay is incredibly well written. I I don't know if Eddie Murphy can stack against just best actors in general, but I could see this getting a couple Oscar nominations for Netflix.
1: Yeah. Well, it's always tricky getting nominated for a comedic performance. I mean, it's not a hundred percent comedy. You know, there's it. It shows the. You know, the the works behind the works, but I mean, it's still funny, even when he's being serious a lot of the time, there's mm-hmm. there's still this current of humor throughout that I think is really nice and makes it a lot more palatable uh, at times a lot yeah a lot. <laughs> And I, not, not that it's really easy
2: yeah it you can watch this movie kind of in any you know you don't need to be like okay well i'm gonna watch a super serious movie now like you can just kind of watch this at your leisure um and it was uh released for a limited release in october oh excellent. before it was put on streaming so it was not theaters very cool and, and yeah i mean to that point
0: one of the scenes in the movie that I think is the most absurd, but really fun, is they're filming this movie, and they're moving along, and finally it comes to the point that Rudy now needs to shoot the sex scene. And he has this very earnest moment where he's explaining about how anxious he is the night before to shoot this scene. He's, you know, He says, I'm not... I don't look like Billy D. Williams, who keeps getting brought up in this movie as the reference for the, you know, who he is not. Um, but he's like, I don't look like Billy D. Williams. You know, I've got a belly and I don't know how to film the scene and be comfortable and, and not make myself look like a fool. And it's a very earnest scene that I imagine someone would really think about before they had to shoot something intimate like that. And the way they go about fixing that problem for him by shooting this sex scene that has the chandelier bopping up and down like it's a haunted mansion at Disneyland and the, the pictures on the walls are shaking left and right and the ceiling eventually falls yeah, on them. Like, it's collapses. fun. Ma- yeah, like, he makes it he makes it something that he can then get behind. And I really thought that was... A fun part of this movie now that scene is not in dolomite as i learned watching dolomite that was in a different dolomite movie but what ended up happening is the director just said hey he's only ever going to get one biopic so let's include the fan favorites
2: okay thank god because i was like wait i don't remember this happening (laughs) Yeah. I was like,
1: did, yeah, I for- me did I
2: forget that much of Dolomite already? And I'd watched it like the day before.
0: Yeah. So, and, and I actually can appreciate that, that creative license to say, hey, let's bring in some of the other favorite things that were scrappy and, and fun about the way he made movies. Because to the director's point, he might really only get one biopic. I don't know if you revisit this that
2: often. So I, I thought that was really cool. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I, don't think, I don't think you could make another movie without it. Seeming kind of entouragey of like, ah, uh, we're gonna make a movie. Ah, uh, they can't make the movie. Now they're gonna make the movie. Like, I think it would follow the exact same arc as right. this one did.
0: Now this stays in the realm of comedy, like other movies about bad movies, uh, like Ed Wood and Disaster Artist. Everyone seems to be having fun. Uh, David, you put that in our docket. Now I still have not seen the Disaster Artist. Uh, even though I love The Room, is this very much like it? Have you guys seen the Disaster Artist?
2: i haven't seen it yet but i think there is sort of some similar i, I guess loving send-up is the way of saying it. it doesn't it doesn't just make fun of tommy Wiseau, you know because it's it's based on uh Sestero's also recount of the film and how he's kind of come around a little bit but still you have to talk about tommy Wiseau as this weird figure um but instead of just like this movie making fun of Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite, uh, which, you know, like it it could have been, it's instead just a very true, like, yeah, this movie's ridiculous, but it's coming from a a human, a person who made it that way on purpose at times. There's times where you can tell they're being serious. And uh, it's a choice. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, Now, can you watch this movie without seeing Dolomite? Because... That will lead us into our discussion of Dolomite. And for me, I can answer this. And I say absolutely, and you should. Um, or, I mean, you know, yeah, if what, you have never what, seen wait, either. If you have never order, seen...
2: Oh, I was going to ask, what order did everybody watch it in? Because I watched Dolomite first, and then Dolomite is my name.
1: I did the same thing as you did, David.
2: I watched
0: the inverse, and I'm so glad I did. Um, <laughs> so, it, watching Dolomite is my name... Yes, there was some stuff I didn't fully understand until I saw Dolomite, like some of the scenes they were mimicking and, you know, the scene where he karate's the FBI agents and kicks one (laughs) into his trunk and how utterly bad that looked also in Dolomite and how perfectly they reenacted it in Dolomite is my name. Like I didn't understand some of that stuff until I saw Dolomite, but I would have tuned out of Dolomite so hard so early if I had not seen Dolomite as my name, it gave me an appreciation for it. It gave me an understanding of what I was getting into because if I, if I had gone in the Dolomite cold, I would not have enjoyed it. I just wouldn't have. It's so rough and tumble and it's, in it's creation. I just wouldn't have liked it at all. So I, I, I was big
2: on having seen Dolomite as my name first. Is there any angle you can shoot this at where it looks like he's actually kicking him? There is. No <laughs> I will. I will say this about Dolomite because I, having watched it first, I mean, yeah, we can be clear, like it's not a, a super well-made movie, um, and you know that's sort of, I guess, part of its charm. I think that I would have liked it a lot better if I was in a theater full of people. I think it's a little bit hard to watch it the way I did, which was on a, a tablet. Uh, in my mom's house while on vacation I think if I was in a theater Full of people at, at watching this at late Night with everybody laughing And and enjoying themselves and Really getting into it I probably Would have enjoyed Dolomite So much more
1: Yeah It's, it's as You know Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore keeps saying in the Movie you know it's a total entertainment Experience it's got funny <laughs> It's got you know, it's got boobies, it's got Kung Fu, you know, it's got, it's got some of everything. So it's the total entertainment experience. And so it's, it's meant to be shared. You know, I think it's his, it was like his version of a party record. You know, the, back in the day, <laughs> mm-hmm. before everybody used to sit around and watch movies together and stuff, they... You know, you'd get together with friends at house parties, and like one room would have the record player set up and would be listening to party records, you know, like Richard Pryor or Red Fox or G- George Carlin or whatever, you know, and just everybody in the room would be enjoying it together. And I think this is kind of part of the experience that Rudy Ray Moore had in mind when he made this movie.
2: I, yeah, there's that scene in Dolomite is My Name when they're like, showing a party and like them playing the record and there is that part of me that's like is that is that real to life is that something people would do uh, but then yeah. they sh- yeah i guess yeah but they show that scene of everybody in the theater watching dolomite and really enjoying it, it and it made me want to have that experience with with dolomite i know i'm kind of going back to dolomite is my name but it, there's just so much about it that's so goofy and so eye-rolly that watching it by yourself would just be like yeah okay but if i was with people who were like who were just into it i would get into it so much
0: more i agree i agree and i think that was missing for me as well um now how aware were you of dolomite before dolomite is my name came out i i was
2: not at all i was not
1: oh okay this was something um i didn't see it at the time but i was uh, exposed to it in college, our local, uh, you know, Doc Cinema um, had a retrospective one week where they played a bunch of uh, Rudy, Ray, Rudy Ray Moore movies. You know, they did Dolomite and the Human Tornado and whatnot. Um, and I now I wish I had gone and seen it in the theater uh, when I had a chance, but I really enjoyed this you know i i got i look at it i've been looking at these old black exploitation movies that i've started watching in the last few years and i've been looking at them kind of like looking at old shaw brothers kung fu movies mm-hmm. in that you can tell there's not a lot of budget the <laughs> acting can be really awkward oh. um but they go gleefully over the top in so many ways. And that's the best part of the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, when the all girl Kung Fu army finally shows up, (laughs) that
2: was pretty awesome.
1: That was, you're just like, yeah, all right. You know, do you buy it? I don't know if you really buy it that, you know, this stable of girl, girls who work in the club slash sex workers, uh, you know, have become this, Drilled, uh, kung fu bodyguard force, but by golly, it's fun to watch.
2: It is, and there's so much nudity that is like very rarely
1: sexual. So much nudity, <laughs>
2: but uh, it's funny to me how much nudity is played for laughs. Uh, yeah. like when you have the oh, God, the mayor uh, running around. Uh, it's the mayor, the I don't remember governor, whatever, running around his like home at the end, and is like it, his butts out, and it's just it's gross gross man butt uh oh it's not, not
1: just his butt <laughs>
2: uh, i wasn't looking that hard i will say i did not want to see any of what i was seeing but like it, it's a scene that goes on for like 30 seconds of him running around his house and it's right. like it's weirdly amusing and disgusting at the same time uh i did learn i, I just wanted to bring this up real quick there uh, there is one dolomite reference in my life that i never really understood and that's from futurama uh in the Futurama episode Jurassic Bark when the dog Seymour uh, is said to be encased in dolomite, the tough black uh, mineral that won't cop out when there's heat all about. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Now now, was this movie shot
0: in sequence? Uh, the beginning seems to be maximally awkward while everyone seems more comfortable in front of the camera. By the end a question from Nicole almost most certainly right? Like when you're when you don't know how to make a movie and you're making a movie for the first time the logical
2: thing to do in your head is go from beginning to end it seems pretty close to it I uh it looks like from the way that dolomite is my name presented it that they did the club scene the big like club f- fight finale last which like there's an extra few minutes of the movie where I was like does this movie know that the plot ended <laughs> like the plot's over <laughs> but it's still going uh so, I, mean, I think it does seem like it was largely shot in scene. and I think you are right, Nicole, that people do seem to get a little more comfortable because those first couple of scenes, especially the warden's office, is so oh my goodness, so awkward, Oh, the warden's yeah, office I mean, you where can the tell- stakes of your life that is the worst
0: <laughs> written scene in the movie, which says something
1: uh, yeah, it's it's pretty bad, but it explains you know, domoto ex- explains why the warden at least seems like a more comfortable actor that apparently mm-hmm. this one actor um was uh this was the his heavy bag heavy. was like playing yeah. the white heavy in black exploitation movies so yeah,
2: I, I really like that scene in dolomitus my name when he's talking about it to um uh, to lady, lady reed. reed yeah and it's like you can tell like it's a little bit awkward for her to hear it, but he's like being just so matter of fact about it he's like, oh, I was the white plantation owner and I was you know the the like clans I can't remember all the ones that he says, and she's just like, oh okay, so you found your niche you're good you at yeah
0: yeah I, I I love that scene and I love how authentic for the most part, having now seen Dolomite. The interpretations are of the scenes in Dolomite is my name. It really does look exactly like the warden's office. It looks exactly like the outside of the house where they have a Kung Fu fight with FBI agents before kicking one into the truck. And now that's because it's the same house. They went to the same house and had the original director of photography on set that day helping them.
2: So... I don't think they went to the same house. I think they had one house that could shoot at, I think. uh, (laughs) No, I mean, Dolomite is My Name went to the same house. Oh, the the same house. Okay, sorry. I blanked out for a second. I thought you meant like a shot. I I thought it was. It looked really, uh, really similar. Yeah, yeah. So You
1: know who the director of photography was? The skinny guy who was played by Cody Smith McPhee in the the movie was uh, Nicholas von Sternberg, who is Joseph von Sternberg's son. Joseph von Sterberg oh, wow. like super famous director worked with Marlena Dietrich and you know craziness. Craziness. <laughs> Nicholas Joseph von Sterberg, I went down a little rabbit hole, uh did did not go on to any uh great films. He made a a lot of exploitation films and what looks like a lot of softcore porn films. Mm. Uh,
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm on the Wikipedia uh, for Dolomite. His name isn't even clickable. That just shows you (laughs) uh, the people whose careers don't really. It's the mark of death. Yeah. Right.
1: I think the most famous one I'd heard of was, you know, Virus starring Brian Bosworth. (laughs)
2: Oof.
0: (laughs) So, why does this movie have so much karate? Because Um, it's awesome but like yeah,
1: karate is cool that's why but i
0: know but like i i just found that interesting because indolemite is my name i was i expected to get some background as to why he wanted it to be karate in particular i didn't though it could be any sort of fighting style or they could just have epic gunfights but no he's like we're gonna have karate and i love it
2: i just don't get why because that's what looked cool back then on screen that was like all yeah, like, the, yeah, they were, Bruce Lee and all those tough. Yeah, games. Enter
1: the Dragon had come out two years before. People were getting way into kung fu movies, you know, par- particularly in the African American community. They really embraced the the Chopsaki films. Oh, um, okay. I didn't know that. And mm-hmm. the kung fu movies. And I mean, and that's where like the Wu Tang clan comes from is this love of, all the you know, the master from Shaolin kind of films of the to- of that time.
0: Okay, no, that that makes more sense because, my goodness, the karate, <laughs> and
1: I and I love the <laughs> one of the most stilted lines of <laughs> what dialogue
0: I karate, where where he, karate
1: in quotes, yeah,
0: <laughs> right, where he comes back to the club or his house anyway, and she tells Dolomite. I sent the girls to karate school while
2: you were in the joint. Like, Oh God.
1: <laughs> like it's the most logical thing in the world. Right.
2: It's like, I've been preparing for this gang war.
0: Right. So- um. Speaking oh, of but- which, I, ign- did you notice that like they let Dolomite out of a 20 year sentence to help a gang war come to an end to get the guns off the street, which, which at the beginning of the movie Made sense to me because in Dolomite is my name. You have uh, you did <laughs> right, yeah. A warden letting a prisoner. No, 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 there. no, 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 no. Hear me out. So Keegan Michael Key's character in the writer in Dolomite is my name keeps coming to to Rudy Ray Moore, and he keeps trying to get him to be more socially aware, and and. In doing so, he is able to make the movie a little bit more about how Dolomite's trying to get the guns off the street and keep the community safe because his nephew got killed. Um, And so that made sense to me in the beginning of the movie that they're trying to make this a social play, like he's going to try to help the community. But then the second he gets out, that entire plot thread completely vanishes. And I don't think we ever really revisit it
2: yeah yeah there's you can't apply logic to the plot of dolomite no um because there is no logic to it. I really want to know how true the Keegan Michael Key character is you know this serious playwright who is trying to make a uh a movie that tells it how it is yeah <laughs> to Nicole's point yeah. in our docket sex drugs sticking it to the man
0: poetry with sketchy rhythmic structure this movie has everything and and boy <laughs> does it. Boyd speaking of sticking it to the man what is everyone's favorite fight scene because I think mine is the scene where the two FBI agents are outside of his car and try to frame him again with cocaine and he karate's the hell out of them smashes the cocaine all over their bodies
2: drops some other efforts and then drives away It's it's hard not to love when he somehow, uh, jams into uh, Willie Green with his own hand. Yeah, uh, and delivers the fate like their awkward fight scene at the end that just has this super over the top ridiculous ending was really fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I was not expecting that. I was not. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you want to see, if you want to see a movie that's like ninety percent that, uh. Go, go watch uh, Ricky O. The story of Ricky, but um, yeah, I was not expecting that at the end of this movie. But it was it was great. It was great, and you know, kudos to Derville Martin, our intrepid director of Dolomite, uh, who is also playing the role of Willie Green, who makes this terrific face and. Noise while he's supposedly getting his intestines punched out by Dolomite. I love so it. So
2: insane. And then I love that the the, the despite the fact he's got this gaping wound in his side that was put there by a hand the uh, the FBI agent or police officer ever comes in and shoots him. He's like, now it's on me. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs>
2: How does that work? <laughs> um.
0: So. This was obviously made as a comedy, but there are still parts you can tell where they're taking it seriously. Does that add to the charm? I think 100%. I think you have to take a movie like this a little bit seriously when making it in order for it to be just as funny as it is. Because think- he really thought he could be a Kung Fu star. I but be- Not a Kung Fu star, but I believe that he actually thought
2: he could make the Kung Fu look cool. And it's not cool looking. And that's what's great about it. I agree. I think it's that thing we talk about with good, bad movies, where it's when they try to make a good movie is when it becomes so bad it's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there needs to be some effort involved. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: and and if there's anything that Dolomite Is My Name gave me appreciation for, it is the immense amount of effort that went into just funding this and getting it made. And uh, this was a passion project for Rudy Ray Moore that he put his life on. You know, he put his professional career that was going really well at that point. He had finally with the character of Dolomite found his 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 act. And he put mm-hmm. that all on the line to make this movie because he believed that Dolomite should be in black exploitation films and more power to him because, you know, after a long road towards the very end, we finally see that it paid off and it has become this pillar of black exploitation in many ways. Uh, and it's they went on to make a ton
2: more movies. Yeah, this is considered the Citizen Kane of black exploitation films, as it has been called. Wow! Um, Bye. Okay. Who? Yeah, <laughs> that's this a great, this is a great question. Uh, New York Times. Wow. Yeah. Alrighty. They, so, did they not
1: see coffee?
2: <laughs> take it up with New York Times, with the old so, gray lady herself.
0: One thing I love, and I, I wanted to ask if you guys noticed this, because I noticed it a ton, and then I went online, and of course there was a super cut of it, is the boom is in almost every shot. <laughs> it is not well hidden.
2: No, you're dealing with uh, people who don't really know how to make movies. Uh, probably just calling it good. As, and also, I imagine film was kind of a premium for them. They have that whole scene where they run out of film. So it's sure. probably not a whole lot of shots were made. You just got to work with what you have. Yeah, definitely.
0: I just thought that was funny. I, it's like every other scene. No. You just see it like sticking out of the corner in one way or the other.
2: Though, Okay, so I will say that... Uh, sorry, just real quick. The boom mic is visible in many shots of original Xenon VHS. to DVD transfers from the 1980s because it was originally transferred from the proper ratio gate of one 1.85 one revealing more of the top and bottom of the frame than the filmmakers originally intended so that's why actually a- oh interesting okay i can buy that Yeah, a
1: lot of the places where it's projected you wouldn't have seen it it would have been mm-hmm. hidden by the curtains at the top and bottom of the screen Oh, that's fascinating
0: yeah. all right i can buy that that's very cool all right well not also, just you know, sheer you know, cinematographer's
1: first movie
2: right <laughs> right <yeah. laughs> Yeah, these are film students who made who are making short films for one another. Now having to make an actual movie, right now, did
0: anyone find the character Creeper uh, shocking? This is a question from Nicole. Creeper, of course, That's is the just... the heroin addict that uh, Dolomite shakes up for info early on in the movie.
2: Oh man, I found he was he was a bit rough. The priest was also rough. I kind of wish they had touched on those two characters and Dolomite as my name a little bit. I would have loved some backstory. Yeah, on those guys. Yeah, yeah especially weird. the
1: guy playing the uh the guy playing the preacher was very charismatic. I would have loved to know more about him.
2: And kind of a big part of the movie too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, he's he's running the guns, you know, getting, yes. getting those guns on the streets. So, but yeah, right. creeper. I I was actually and, and not expecting to be kind of shocked by that. That's not something you saw a lot of in movies at that time and you know, number one, I'm shocked that that guy could find his way from one place to another because his eyes were never open the whole time. <laughs> you literally never see his eyes open in any shot of the movie. Um, but it was a t- portrayal of an addict that was so startlingly realistic. That made me wonder Mm -hmm. if they actually got some, you know, some guy who was hooked on heroin to be in the movie for a day.
2: They might have, you know, it probably wouldn't have been too terribly hard to go find someone and offer them payment for a day. Um, Venus Rex straw. apparently the guy's name. Um, Now I'm doing that great, you know, great Googling in the middle of a podcast. (laughs) Uh, It seems that all he ever did was um, was this movie. But apparently has a Facebook page uh, of Creeper. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole. That's not important to this.
0: Yeah. And he's he's referred to in the movie, of course, is what like he's like the
2: hamburger
0: pimp. I believe? Yeah, I heard them calling yeah. him that, and I thought it was weird. Because <laughs> he just hangs out at the hamburger joint um, where all the pimps hang out. Um, by the way, I noticed that they really downplayed the pimp aspect of Dolomite in Dolomite Is My Name. Um, I don't know if that's just because being a pimp is not as acceptable in 2019 that they just decided to downplay that part of the character um but that was a huge part of dolomite i learned watching dolomite you know i mean his kung fu is often referred to as pimp fu i found out
1: he's a totally legitimate businessman
0: a totally yeah. legitimate <laughs> businessman. That's right. Um, oh, no but an Creeper, entertainment club. <laughs> uh, but to answer your question, Nicole, as well, Cre- Creeper was just really distressing. You're, I think you're absolutely right. And I was completely shocked that he was in this movie the way he was and that you see him shooting up. That's the other thing is I don't know. Yeah. I didn't expect this movie to sh- actually show that. Um, I actually expected him to be comic relief when I initially in the first couple seconds saw him. I thought they were going to play this off as the bumbling idiot that wanders around town but just happens to have the right information and they need to get it out of him. And, oh my gosh, it was so much darker than that. Uh, so, yeah, it surprised me. Um, so, And I also just want to mention here that if you're out of the movie's demo you know, and era, which I am twofold. Um, I just can't stress enough that Dolomite is my name still gave me the appreciation of a lot of these scenes to to get into this movie and really enjoy it. Because I don't think I could have been like Nicole. And maybe that's because I haven't seen enough blaxploitation that I don't know how to appreciate it yet. But Dolomite is rough uh, around the edges as a whole. And I think without a semblance of what I knew was going on from Dolomite is my name, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it.
2: Well, black exploitation films are not uh they're not serious cinema in the way of like I'm going to sit down, I'm going to analyze this right. movie and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drink some brandy while watching it. It is like get some people together, make fun of the movie, laugh at the movie, cheer at the movie. I think it is just a uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah, you know, being a a white guy Forty years removed, fifty years removed from right. the, from that era, uh, it's just not going to hit me quite the same way. But all I could feel after watching Dolomite is My Name and talking about it now is like I would have enjoyed Dolomite a whole lot differently if it was a group experience. Yeah, and I think as we close the show here, that's my recommendation
0: as well. Is that Dolomite is my name is a compelling watch on its own, but if you're going to watch Dolomite, I think you got to get some people together because I think I speak for all three of us that we all watched it alone, or maybe Nicole had you know some of her family with her, and it's not the same. (laughs) Oh yeah, what (laughs) am I thinking? You probably didn't want your son and daughter in on Dolomite, right? (laughs)
1: Like, yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't care if they watched it, but it's not the kind of movie I would want to watch with them. For sure. Uh.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. One day when they're older and they've seen it, you can all laugh about it, but you're not going to watch it with them. No, no, no.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, let's wrap down our discussion of both Dolomite Is My Name and Dolomite. Are there
2: any closing thoughts on either of these two movies? I will say that I think... Uh, kind of what you said that Dolomite is better experience with the people, but Dolomite is my name is a movie you can totally just throw on at any point. Uh, do pay attention to it. Do give it, I think the attention that it does deserve, but you can just kind of enjoy that in any old way. Absolutely. Nicole.
1: Um, I don't know. I watched Dolomite first and then Dolomite is my name. And for me, it really, informed my viewing of dolomite is my name a lot better where i recognized you know oh that so and so from the movie this person played this role in the in dolomite and oh okay i wonder how this is going to shake out so i i enjoyed it a lot that way so i guess you can watch it either way and get a lot out of both experiences but I think I would probably recommend watching both. If you're going to watch Dolomite as my name, I would definitely recommend throwing in Dolomite as well. Just don't watch it with children in the room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. Uh, I, do, I do think that they do make a good complimentary watching.
0: Yes, I'm happy
2: Nicole brought up
0: watching the original Dolomite because I, I think our discussion of it was so immensely informed by it. And you can find Dolomite on streaming as of this recording. It's on Amazon Prime. I know that Netflix roulette weeks tend to be weeks where it's easy for listeners to follow along because you can get it on Netflix. Well, you can get that on Amazon Prime, which most folks have nowadays, I think, if you're a video streamer. So check it out there well, if you'd like to watch it. And it's it as not well.
1: an expensive rental. Right, I don't think
0: they're going to be charging $4 for Dolomite. Right. Uh, Very good. And also, I do want to mention that I looked up the Oscars shortlists. Now, keep in mind, these are shortlists for nominations, so they're not yet nominated. We'll hopefully have that in the next three weeks. Um, So maybe by the time this comes out, even. But uh dolomite is my name is nominated not nominated (laughs) it's shortlisted Shortlisted. for uh best makeup and hairstyling which makes sense to me uh we didn't even talk about the aesthetic i thought the aesthetic of dolomite is my name was so good yeah oh my gosh they nailed the era so incredibly well Mm -hmm. um and i could totally see you know makeup and hairstyling being a potential nod to this though i think bombshell is going to give it a run for its money I think Bombshell might win that one. Um, We'll see. Well, we will see. All right. Well, that'll do it for myself, David Nicole. Again, next week we are watching The Master. That is a pick from Nicole for a future classic. But where can we find
2: everybody online, David? Uh, Find me on Twitter at uh, Vlaz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can find all my various stuff there. Very good. And what about you, Nicole?
1: I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash movie go round podcast. You can interact with all of us there
0: very good now you can follow all of these links on social.mgrpodcast.com so please go ahead and check us out there Uh, i do want to announce for my plug here that i am going to be doing in the first week of january i don't have a date yet but i'm going to announce the date on twitter so the week this comes out uh what's called the ice crown challenge which is a um it is a donor drive for the ASFP or AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, um, which is tied into the World of Warcraft community for many years. And it involves me live streaming uh, the completion of a challenge that will take me probably between 20 and 40 minutes, and I'll match my donation at whatever time time limit I meet so if I do it in 20 minutes and 31 seconds I'll donate $20 and 31 cents and I encourage everyone watching and listening to do the same so I'm gonna have info on that on my twitter at I am Brett Stewart it'll be a really fun stream we're gonna do something interesting with it even if you're not familiar with what it's all about definitely come and join and donate uh, but that'll do it for myself David and Nicole we'll see you next week